Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Francis Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. Today we're going to be discussing Chapter 30 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen and our very special guest today is my sister Paula. Hi! In Chapter 30, Sir William leaves Hunsford and Mr Darcy and Colonel Fitzwilliam arrive. It's like the beginning of the next part of the book. Because this is the bit where Lizzie and Darcy start talking to each other more like equals and they're less like strangers. And they, they are completely like strangers in this chapter, but it's like this is the beginning of what happens next. Because we know there's this visit and then we know that that leads up to the proposal and then there's the next visit at Pemberley where things really start to shift. So he, he becomes less of a stranger for Lizzie but also for us, because pretty much up until this point as readers, we've kind of learnt about him through what others have said about him, um, particularly people like Mrs Bennett, who are just looking at him as a, a means of um, getting her daughters married. And so, he's not much of a means of that, so she has no use for him. And so we look at him from a, a different way, but actually... Saying that, that is jumping on to the end of the chapter instead of starting at the beginning. My apologies. <laughs> so we learn more about how Charlotte has set up the household. The whole family referred to the usual appointments after Sir William leaves. And Elizabeth was thankful to find that they did not see more of her cousin by the alteration. The time between breakfast and dinner was passed by him either at work in, in the garden or in reading and writing and looking out of the window in his own book room which fronted the road. There's the whole thing about the way that Charlotte has set up the room so that she has the quieter room so Mr. Collins won't come and see her in there. Yeah, and I think we talked about that last time, didn't we? How she's we really set up life so that while she's married to him, she doesn't have to see him very often or put up with him, which you could see as sad or you could see it as actually just very sensible because she's made this decision and... She has now got some money in a, in a life. Well, she doesn't have any money. Her husband does. And so she's making the best of it. Yeah, I think it's a really good example of a woman being able to make themselves happy despite the what appears to be their lack of choices. And yeah. I'd say lots of women have done that for many hundreds of years. Yeah, I think you see how sharp Charlotte is here. And then we go into a little bit about Lady Catherine sailing out Whenever the cottages were disposed to be quarrelsome, discontented, or too poor, she sallied forth into the village to settle their differences, silence their complaints, and scold them into harmony and plenty. I love that quote about her. I just actually can't understand it, coming from a 21st century perspective, because now people just don't respect their betters. Or, or their elders. Yeah, yeah that or too. Or anyone. Yeah. And people always now argue or um, fight for what they believe is right. Um, whereas in those days, as soon as she turned up, they, there would have been a lot of bowing and scraping and suddenly people would have shut up no matter what their circumstances or what they were feeling. And it's very hard to understand that when you see on the news riots happening um, in places where people are unhappy. It's just so different to think how this woman who really would have no idea how these people live, even though she would tell you otherwise, how she was able to shut them up 
so quickly and so easily. Well, she did own the land that they lived on, so she could have kicked them out. But still these days, people don't seem to respect that either. No. You know, people argue with their landlords. And they complain about their landlords. Everyone thinks landlords are evil beings. Yes, which is absolutely not true. No. No, says the lady who is a landlord. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's um definitely funny, but also a sign of, of the times in which Austen lived. But obviously Lady Catherine de Bourgh is a bit of a caricature. She's a bit of an over-the-top example of what people were like in those days. But still, it does really show a stark contrast between how people live now and how people lived then. I think the visits show that as well. It's unusual. Well, I mean, except for now, where I've been staying in your house for eight weeks or something. It's unusual to go and stay and visit people for weeks or months in an end. Yes, because people now have to go back to work. We have Colonel Fitzwilliam and Mr Darcy come to visit and you've got to wonder whether their visit is a coincidence that it happens to be at the same time that she's there, whether it's the time that they regularly visit or whether Mr Darcy's heard that she's there and has decided, I'm going to go and visit now. And I can't remember if that's really answered at any stage. I'm not sure, but we might pick that up as we read along. They come to visit at Huntsford almost as soon as they arrive at Rosings, which is a compliment to Elizabeth. Well, that's the way that everybody reads it as a compliment. Yes, even Charlotte at this point is already going, he would never come and have visited me so soon. But why do they assume that? That's what I want to know. Before Darcy arrived, Elizabeth is musing about whether, you know, what she'll see when she sees Darcy interact with Lady Catherine de Bourgh's daughter. Because, of course, um, Lady Catherine thinks that they are going to get married. And Elizabeth thinks that too. Yes. Elizabeth assumes Anne de Bourgh and Mr Darcy are going to get married. I do wonder why they think it's a compliment to Elizabeth that he has come to visit so early on. Lady Catherine, who talked of his coming with the greatest satisfaction, spoke of him in terms of the highest admiration. She seems to think that he's there for her and for her daughter. And I don't understand why they do think it's Elizabeth they've come to see when they go over, well, they come back home again with Mr Collins. Because I think Charlotte's very sharp and she was watching Mr Darcy earlier and wondering whether he was interested in Elizabeth. I think that happened before he left Meryton in Netherfield. But then he sits there and doesn't say anything. Well, he does awkwardly ask about her family, but that's all. He's so awkward in company, though. I know, and you feel sorry for him, but at this particular time, before you get to know him, you think, what a dick. Yeah, like, it's how rude for him to come and sit and not speak. I love the description of him. Um, Because there's a description of Colonel Fitzwilliam, who was about 30, not handsome, but in person and dressed most truly the gentleman. And then it moves into a description of Mr. Darcy, who looked just as he used to look in Hertfordshire. Well, like you expect that suddenly he would have changed and looked somehow different. But I think the point is, is that, you know, he is exactly the same. I think that's what Austin was saying. 
And I do feel sorry for Fitzwilliam, not handsome. Poor man. But he's most truly the gentleman in person and address. Mind you, then Elizabeth Elizabeth merely curtsied to him without saying a word. You know, she doesn't help him, does she? she doesn't no, she help. doesn't try to talk to Darcy at all. But then she's probably thinking, why should she? Because she's still got Wickham in her mind and thinking all the awful things that... So we were talking this morning about the last time they met would have been the Netherfield Ball, where she basically smacked him down and said, what about Wickham? How about how badly you treated him? Yeah, so that's what she's got in her head, hasn't she? About how supposedly he treated this young man who she thought was um, worthy of being treated better. And I mean, it's not long until all of that comes out. It's kind of good she's still got that in her mind because we know within a few chapters that's going to be resolved. Things do tend to move actually quite quickly. Like, they've been there a week and then Mr Darcy turns up. So we know they've been there a week because it said Sir William stayed only a week at Huntsford and then he left. Oh, no, and then they have another week. Oh, then they have another week. In and this then... quiet way, the first fortnight of her visit soon passed away. And then Mr. Darcy and Colonel Fitzwilliam turn up. And I love the way that she um, enjoys her her walking. Young women at that time were encouraged to play the piano forte or um, do handiwork. What is it called? Not handiwork. Needlework. Needlework. And have pleasant conversation and drink cups of tea. She had great enjoyment out of doors. You know, she was a little bit different to the other young women of her time. And I, I like the way that um, Austin brings that in here. It helps us to remember who Elizabeth is. I also like the way that she doesn't go to Rosings with the others when they go. And she also wonders why Charlotte goes so often. And then it says, till Elizabeth recollected that there might be other family livings to be disposed of. So uh, she could not understand the sacrifice of so many hours. So because of the family living, she understands the sacrifice of so many hours. She's honest about the fact that she doesn't like Lady Catherine and wonders why Charlotte goes and then, you know, understands it. But I do wonder if she'd actually do it herself. No, but she can see the business arrangement that's happening in front of her. Yeah, exactly. She can acknowledge what's happening. But she doesn't need to be involved. And that is our summary of Chapter 30 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Thank you for listening. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and I wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me. But if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of... The Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch, too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!